0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. The gospel of the Lord. Pray with me, please. So we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord. Speak today that we might hear. And in hearing, Lord, that we might grow more into your likeness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you that are visiting, let me just share with you what we're doing, where we are. We're in the midst of a series, a sermon series. We're looking at the uh, very character, nature of God, the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul writes in Galatians in chapter 5. We're considering how God wants to grow us and how he wants to transform us. Just like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we are to be transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this is through the Spirit. The Spirit of God who comes to live within us when we accept Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to live and abide in us. And and, and so what God wants to do, He wants to manifest His His character in and through His body. Each one of us. And He does that by, by revealing to the world His character of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So that when the world sees us, they see Him through His nature. And we are considering how God does this. There's a principle that we find in, in Isaiah chapter 51 verse 3. There's this principle that we call the garden principle. That God takes us and He plants us in a garden and, and, and he speaks a word to us and the way that we respond to that word shapes our character and shapes our destiny. And we see in Isaiah chapter 51 verse 3 that we have a, we have a perception problem. That we see things differently than the way God sees things. And that goes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis in chapter 3 verse 7. When we, when we decided to not obey the word of God, the word that was spoken to us. And we read that that because of that, sin entered the world. And we read that the eyes of Adam and Eve were open. They were open to the ways of sin. They had never seen that. And it was frightening and they hid from God. So we tend to see things differently than God does. Especially those negative emotional circumstances in life. We tend to see those like nothing good can come from this. It is a vast wasteland a desert land nothing can come out of that that is good and Isaiah says no no the Lord sees that like a garden a garden of the Lord and he speaks a word to us in that garden and the word that he speaks to us is a word that we know so well out of Romans eight twenty eight that in all things God can use that for good for those who love him and it takes faith It takes believing it the way that God says it when we're in the midst of that wilderness that we think nothing good can come from it. But God says, I can use that. And I can actually grow my character in that. So that's what we're considering, this garden principle, how God takes us, plants us in a, in a garden, speaks a word to us, and the way that we respond to that word shapes our character and shapes our destiny. So we've considered love and joy and peace. And today we're going to be looking at the fourth characteristic, the supernatural characteristic of patience. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as we've considered every week, that with every... Every value that we find in the kingdom of God, there's going to be a counterfeit. That we might believe not the real thing, but the lie. And that comes from Satan himself. He will counterfeit the very standard, the very very character of God. That we might think that we are living into that, all the while living into a lie. From the father of all lies, the native language of Satan. So God wants to cultivate patience, his supernatural characteristic in us. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, where does he cultivate patience? Where in our lives do we think that we are in the midst of a no good, nothing can happen good out of this experience, this barren wasteland? Where does God see that as a garden and he wants to grow patience? It's in the garden of suffering. It's in the garden of pain. We live, we live in a time, we live in an age, we live in a culture that most people want to be viewed as being tolerant. In other words, most people want to be viewed as, as accepting uh, the actions of another without hindrance, without prohibition without any repugnance. We want to be people that are seen as being tolerant. And do you know that tolerance is the chief characteristic of the Stoics? What do I mean by that? Well, the Stoics, they would just allow something to happen. Whatever was going on around them, but they would not let it get to them. They wouldn't let it tolerate or uh, pierce them. They would just tolerate whatever's going on. Whatever the action, whatever the behavior, whatever the situation. They would just allow it. Permit it. But just don't let it get to them. In other words, what... What the stoic would do and what we do with tolerance is that we just kind of cut off the source of pain and the source of frustration. Whatever standard that we might have, we negate it and we lower the bar so it doesn't get to us. The thing that we said that we really cared about a lot, now we say, well, I really don't care about that. And it doesn't get to us. Here's how the culture reads tolerance into the Bible. Especially for those that are trying to follow Jesus. You and me, Christians. They read into the Bible that if you are really a follower, a disciple of Christ, if you're really a Christian, then you above all other people, you should be tolerant. If you are filled with the love of Jesus, then, then you should be tolerant of everybody on this earth and let me say tolerance is to counterfeit to patience they're similar but they're radically different so what is patience patience that we find in the bible in the greek is makrothumeo which means long-suffering This is what we find in the Bible for patience, long-suffering, to suffer over the long haul. That's patience. The picture is kind of like a candle, a candle that's lit, and it just gradually just burns down over time. That's the picture of patience. And, And we can't suffer unless we let something get to us. Trying to tie the two together. You see, terrible things can happen to us in our lives. Horrible events can can take place. Situations can persist for years. But if we don't let that get to us, if we don't let it pierce our heart, then we'll never really have to suffer. We can just be tolerant. But patience is actually letting those things pierce us. Letting those things affect us. Enduring those things over the long haul. And what we've done, we've accepted tolerance in the place of patience. And they're not the same. Tolerance is a human achievement. But the supernatural characteristic of God is patience. Do you realize that patience is one of the chief manifestations of love? We read in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient and love is kind. Patience. It's what the 16th century theologian John Donne said. He he said this about about gratitude. He said, I must be poor and I must be in want before I can experience the virtue of gratitude. There There must be a great need before I can experience gratitude. And he says this about patience, that I must be miserable and in torment before I can experience the virtue of patience. God wants to grow patience in the garden of pain and suffering to be long suffering is to be long bothered but the world wants to tell us otherwise again i'll say it we live in the age of tolerance where we're told to tolerate everything we're even told to tolerate the violations to the word of god and we're told to do that as a demonstration of our fine character as a believer and christian We're just to put up with it. Because you know what happens if we don't, then we're labeled as being mean and hateful and unloving. Tolerance is diabolical. It is the counterfeit to patience. Jesus said it this way, that if we accept tolerance in the place of patience, then we don't have in mind the things of God. We've got in mind the things of men. Think about it this way. Maybe you've got a friend. Maybe you've got a family member. Maybe they've been on a journey and they have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They have rejected this new life in Christ. They've rejected forgiveness. They've rejected salvation. Everything about God, they've just turned their backs. And the world says to us about that person that we love, just be tolerant. Just put up with him. Don't let it get to you. But patience. Patience says let it get to you. Let it affect your heart. Let it penetrate. You see, God calls us to be patient and not tolerant. Because, you see, tolerance removes from us compassion. Because it cuts off caring. Whatever. I got mine. You do whatever you want to do. But yet in patience, if we see a person walking a path of destruction, we let it get to us. And God takes that and he grows compassion through patience. This long suffering actually breaking our heart for what breaks his heart. But if we don't ever let it get to us, it'll never happen. God grows patience in the garden of suffering and no one is without pain and suffering we know that we come today we get dressed up we all look good we got life together but deep down there's pain and there's suffering we know the heartache we know the ordinary stuff of life that brings pain and suffering trouble comes jesus promised that in john 16:33 in this world you're going to have trouble But don't just tolerate the trouble. Don't waste the pain. Let me use that. Let me grow my patience. Patience is an achievement, a human achievement. It's like the decision that the stoics make. That we cut ourselves off from the source of pain. To lower the standards so that it doesn't get to me. We reduce the standards to a bare minimum. And, and, and we say then, well, who am I to say anything to you? You've got your path. i got my path. Even though we might be convinced that the path that a loved one is on is a path of destruction. Even though we might be convinced that we see people making decisions that, that bring destruction to their life. We, we just say, if I'm tolerant, then it doesn't get to me. But it's different if we're patient. Because, again, patience gets to us over the long haul, long suffering. And and, and God grows patience in the garden of suffering. And, again, none of us is exempt from suffering. It's in those places, it's in those wastelands, in that pain, in that suffering, God is saying, Hear this, here's His word. He's speaking a word to us in this garden. I'm giving you my best. We say this every week, Romans 8 28. And He says, I know where you are right now. It's painful, and I know that it's hurting. But you got to trust me. I'm giving you my best. And we say, well, how can can I trust God? How can I trust him when everything is just falling apart, given this pain, given this suffering? And you know what we do? So often what we do when we're in that garden, it's a wilderness for us. What we do, we, we go back to tolerance because we can do tolerance. But that's not... The fruit that God wants to cultivate in us. He wants to cultivate the supernatural characteristic of true patience in us. Even in the painful times of of suffering. God longs for us to trust Him. So that His work in us will shape our character. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Verses 3 and 4. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts By the Holy Spirit, whom he has given. Patience produces perseverance. You know what perseverance is? Perseverance is patience elongated. That's what perseverance is. It's patience elongated. We say, well, I don't know. I still don't get it. Because when I'm in that garden of of pain and suffering, you know what happens to me? I lose it. I just lose it. I lose perspective. Have you heard that before? We said it today at the beginning of the service about pain. Pain has a way of robbing perspective, it's the first thing to fly out the window regardless if we have a hangnail or a heartache, whatever the hurt is, whatever the pain is, we lose perspective. And perspective is the ability to see life in all its right proportions. So that whenever we hurt, whenever we suffer, we lose perspective because pain robs perspective. You realize that as we're in the garden of suffering, God has given us a gift. That as He's cultivating this fruit of the Spirit, patience, this long suffering, in this garden of of pain and suffering, He's given us a gift. When we come to that place when you say, I don't think I can handle this anymore, this long suffering, He gives us a gift. You know what that gift is? We said it again at the beginning of the service. It's worship. It's worship. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 73. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped, I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Their pride is a necklace. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. They scoff and speak with malice and their arrogance. They threaten oppression. They say, how can God know? Does the most high have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. And then the psalmist says, verse 13, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I have been punished every morning. And when I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. Until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that for me, the psalmist, I almost blew it almost slipped. My relationship with God was almost derailed. I was off the path to trusting him in those difficult moments in life. I looked at evil, and evil prospered. I looked at good people, and they struggled. I couldn't see life in the right proportions, and it started to get to me, and I completely lost my perspective. The pain was overwhelming, I tried to understand it all and make sense of this suffering. It was oppressive until verse 17. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. And it's there that he worshiped. Pain and suffering makes us take our attention and turn it on ourselves. Pain and suffering makes us look inward. To look at the circumstances that are painful and difficult that we're facing in life and we look deeper inside of ourselves until we've lost regard to everything else that's happening. We just block them out so that we can go through the pain. Pain robs perspective. But worship, worship restores perspective. It's worship. Worship is the experience we we have when we come into the presence of God. Whether it be we're spending time reading the Bible, or we're spending time in prayer, or we're spending time singing, or we're just coming before Him, especially as we gather together as a body with others. It's then that we take our eyes off the circumstances, off ourselves, and we put them on the God of all circumstances. And it's then we begin to see life comes back into perspective. We remember the goodness of the Lord. We remember the power of God. We remember the love of God. We remember His forgiveness. We remember the fact that He is at work even during this time that He is faithful. We remember we have a hope and a future with Him. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the circumstance. But worship restores the perspective so that as we are long-suffering, we can keep going. We can persevere. God grows patience in the garden of suffering and He gives us worship as a way to press in, to press on, to persevere. But here's what we do. In our pain, in our suffering... You know what we do? We stop coming. We stop coming to church. The greatest gift that God gives us to not lose perspective that we can go on further, we actually remove that gift from our lives. We stop having quiet times with the Lord. We stop praying. It's just the opposite of what we need. Do you realize sometimes that as we struggle in that place of pain and suffering do you realize it may be all that we can do just to drive the car and park and walk into those doors and just sit down it may be all that we can do just sit here and let other people sing other people pray it's just our best just to be here And you know what I say to that That's okay. Because he sees the worship of others, you and me, that carries each other until we can enter in just as well. There's no greater illustration of this than the cross. Can you imagine any place of greater pain and suffering than the cross? The torment that Jesus went through. The mental torment, the physical torment, the spiritual torment. The emotional torment that he went through upon the cross. The greatest suffering and pain of all humanity. We read in Isaiah that God couldn't even look upon his son in that moment. It was in the midst of of pain and suffering on the cross. It was crucial for Jesus to keep his perspective. It was crucial for Jesus to stay focused on the moment, to win us back, to pay the price for our sins, that we might have forgiveness, that we might experience salvation, to stay focused to the end. Because you see, it would have been so easy for Jesus, since pain robs perspective, it would have been so easy for Jesus just to lose it, to call down legions of angels to come and take him off the cross, just for him to say, I can't take this any longer, just to restore life to himself. But he didn't. You know what he did? In the midst of that pain and that suffering, three words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. And into your hands I commit my spirit. Those are more than just words. You don't realize what Jesus was doing? In the midst of the greatest pain and suffering, he was worshiping. He was worshiping. The Psalms to a Jew are like a hymnal to you and me. Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm twenty-two, fifteen: 15. I thirst. My, my, my strength is dried up. Psalm 31, 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. In the midst of the greatest pain and suffering of all humanity, he could have so easily lost his perspective, but he was worshiping his Father. Worship restores perspective, it keeps us focused. And there's patience. We let it all get to us. And Jesus, in the patience, the long-suffering, he let it get to him to the very end. How do we know that? Because he said it's finished. It is finished. God grows patience, not tolerance. Patience. Long-suffering, where he cultivates within us compassion, He cultivates within us love and He does that in the garden of suffering. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank You for what You do with our pain, with our suffering. Lord, forgive us when we tend to choose tolerance as opposed to yearning for true patience. Lord, show us how to meet you and worship so that patience would grow in us as we find ourselves in the garden of suffering. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.